1: Would you believe it?
0: This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q.
1: And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And it's time to take a look at the New York football giants and to help us do that, we have Pat Leonard, our good buddy from uh, the New York Daily News. And, Pat, thank you so much for your time. Uh, just talked to you, what, last week, talking about Mark Davis at the at the uh, owners' meetings. Now we're talking about a football game, or we think we're going to be talking about a football game. The g Man have been hit with a lot of COVID, a lot of false positives, maybe some positives. What's the latest and the greatest when it comes to just the COVID issues going on with the Giants?
2: Yeah, no, I think you, you summarized it pretty well there. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so basically – Uh, The laboratory the Giants have been working with, they've been getting a lot of false positives the last few days from their rapid tests. So they've actually abandoned the rapid test now and they're going to the PCR, which is supposed to be more accurate, even though the results take longer to come back. The good news for the Giants is everyone has tested negative so far on the PCR, except for their running backs coach, Burton Burns. The bad news is they still have their free safety, Xavier McKinney, trying to test out. He is unvaccinated. Um, If he keeps testing negative on the PCRs, I still think there's a chance he might come back. But wouldn't surprise me if he misses the game. Uh, Another running back, Gary Brightwell, joined Saquon Barkley on the COVID list today. Uh, Barkley has an ankle that should keep him out, too. But really the craziest thing, guys, as you know, in the COVID world, this morning... They had so many positives this morning. They had to send coaches and players home who then retested negative and were asked to come back in for practice. Wow. So it's not even just day-to-day. It's same-day stuff where they're having to just adjust and move on. Uh, makes for a chaotic workplace. But they did ha- actually manage to practice today, believe it or not.
3: Wow. Hey, Pat, with, this, with the um, one positive that we know being the running back coach, is it possible that this team can go into Sunday's game without a, run, without a running back to man the field?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, uh, you know, I think that Joe Judge actually has spent a lot of time, and I'm sure this isn't unique to the Giants, but they cross-train their coaches too. So they'll have some days where they just have like a, the assistant DB's coach work with the running backs or whatever. Like he, especially with COVID last year, that was something they did a lot of last season to prepare for anyone in the organization being out. Uh, They also have Devontae Booker handling the load at running back. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like a rookie who needs to be coddled and coached on the sideline every two seconds. The guy who not only knows what he's doing and has done it in the league for a while, but, and the Raiders are familiar with him, obviously. um, But also is coming off his best game of the season against the chiefs. So I, you know, I don't, Obviously, they want Burns to get better and get back on the field, but I don't think that would impact uh, the game much.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And you you mentioned Saquon Barkley and the ankle injury that's probably going to keep him out of Sunday. How close do you think he is to returning, even if he doesn't play Sunday, just as far as just him in general? Because he's, I mean, it seems like the last couple years, that's what it's been, the story of Saquon Barkley and injuries. I
2: know, I know. No, you're absolutely right. You know, I I think with their bye week right after the Raiders game, Um, As long as there isn't any setback, I would expect him to be back for that Buccaneers game on Monday Night Football coming out of the bye. Um, You know, There's no indication that it's more serious than a bad sprain. Obviously, if it's worse than what we originally thought, I have no reason to believe otherwise, but then it could drag on. But to your point, just getting him back on the field doesn't mean he's going to stay on it. And the Giants, a lot of teams have been hurt uh, this season, but the Giants have been absolutely decimated. And the problem, as you're pointing out, is the guys who've gotten hurt for them are guys who stay hurt. You know, Saquon, Sterling Shepard is out now for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny Galladay just practiced today, but he's missed the last three games. Can he stay healthy? And Kadarius Tony, the exciting rookie, he's, he's going to play on Sunday, but he's got a bad left thumb, a bad right ankle. You know, how long is he going to be able to weather the storm? That's the biggest issue for the Giants right now is keeping guys on the field.
1: Talking right now with Pat Leonard from New York Daily News, covers the G-Man like a glove, and Joe Judge, he's in year two of his uh, head coaching existence with the Giants. Of course, Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator. Uh, from your from your point of view, what is that dynamic like with a, a, a new head coach and a guy who's been a long-time head coach in the league?
2: Yeah, you're talking about Joe Judge and and just his dynamic with his players? Is that what you're asking?
1: Well, yeah, and then how him and Jason Garrett kind of coexist.
2: Oh, okay, yeah, right. That's actually been a very interesting dynamic to watch. Um, Last season, Joe Judge fired the offensive line coach, Mark Colombo, who Jason Garrett brought from Dallas. And, of course, with how the offense was also failing to score and struggling, there was definitely some internal strife. There was actually a time in January and February where it wasn't even clear Garrett was necessarily going to be back for a second season here. Um, he interviewed with the Chargers job. There were a lot of people's jobs with the Giants being confirmed, like Pat Grant pulling his name out of the hat of the Jets head coaching interviews. And Garrett's status was just kind of hanging out there in the air. Eventually, obviously, he did return. But, of course, remember, there's a lot of people who, lo- who love him in the Giants building. He actually had an interview lined up for the head coaching spot before they pulled the trigger and hired Judge that Garrett never got the interview for. Uh, so there is a little bit of that wondering what would happen if Judge struggled. Is Garrett the guy waiting in the wings? Uh, we've certainly seen the offense evolve more this year to, I think, what Judge wants to see um, as far as more motion and um, the way that they have been utilizing their skill players and catch-and-run opportunities. Garrett definitely has an offense that has worked a certain way in the past, but he hadn't called plays a lot prior to this year for years. And so it took, I think, a little bit of time for he and Judge to get on the same page, use Garrett's structure, but also move to some things that accompanied the Giants' personnel well. The funny thing is, guys, or I guess it's not funny for the Giants, but it all came together in their win at New Orleans um, in week four, I believe, and that was really the only game they've had. Most of their players healthy on offense, and ever since then, they just haven't been healthy, and they haven't been able to score as many points.
3: Man,
1: yeah, interesting. I always kind of wondered how that worked because Jason Garrett has been, you know, a head coach for so long in the league and has the ties there with the New York Giants. So just kind of wondered what that was that was like. And of I course,
2: can, of course,
1: go ahead. Yeah,
2: no, yeah, no, no, uh, definitely, um, definitely something that. I, don't, I think a lot of people work. Of still, if you look at the Giants offensively, they're not scoring points consistently. Daniel Jones does show the flashes of development that, I mean, if you think about Jason Garrett, there's no doubt in my mind that he wants to be a head coach again. Mm-hmm. And so I think Jones has shown enough growth and the offense has shown enough evolution here where that head coaching opportunity, especially you look around the league, there's a lot of organizations right now that uh, lacks stability, and not that Garrett is a better coach than every other guy out there, but it wouldn't surprise me if one of these organizations that really needs to get its locker room, its front office, and just its culture in order comes calling to him in short order.
1: That should be interesting. It really should. And and you know, it's funny. I wanted to ask you about Daniel Jones because, of course, it's going to be that conversation. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? I mean. Here in, in, in Las Vegas, we deal with that every day with Derek Carr, and he's more than proven that he's the guy. But Daniel Jones, what is the gut feeling as far as even the fan base goes on, on Daniel Jones and his, his leadership and him being the franchise quarterback there in New York?
2: Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think Giants fans in the end, and, and Daniel Jones knows this too, in the end it's about wins. And if he doesn't get enough wins – then the fans are souring on him and on the whole team and on the plan that the Giants say they have in place. Now, I do think Jones was starting to show he was the guy before a bunch of guys started getting hurt. I don't think he's the player like Lamar Jackson, and I know he's not Lamar Jackson, but he's not the player where no matter who you lose on your team, you could just put everything on the guy's shoulders and he's just going to win week in and week out. Right. But I don't think many guys are that. Um, I think that it's still very much up in the air whether Daniel is going to get that second contract, but I will say this, I think he's closer to having shown he's the guy to the Giants than having shown he's not. I know the organization feels that way. They just need to... Get more victories and results down the stretch to back it up.
1: Talking all things Giants right now with Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Unnecessary rough and uh I saw the game on Monday. The the Giants and the Chiefs, I feel like that's a game the Giants probably could have won, but I feel like and this is really the question I wanted to ask you, is this team prepared to finish games yet? Because it felt like on Monday they weren't ready to finish that game.
4: No, that's
2: perfectly said by you there. Is is frankly Frankly, it's funny that Joe Judge and Pat Graham and Jason Garrett and the coaching staff, is take, they're taking so much heat off of that loss because they actually had a great plan that almost worked to perfection. In fact, I don't really think the Chiefs ever had control of the game. I think the Giants dictated the tempo. Um, I think they played the defense they wanted to. They forced Mahomes to do what they wanted him to do and not the other way around. Uh, the early interception by Jones was a huge mistake. But to your point, they commit 10 penalties in the game. I think they committed seven of them within the final couple minutes of both halves. And they just frankly melted down at the end. And that's why I look at this game with the Raiders and I say, listen, I I know it's the NFL, anything can happen every week. um, And the Raiders are far from perfect, but the Raiders have good fronts, right? Like their defensive line and their pass rush and Max Crosby and Ngakwe coming on, like, They've really shown that they will make you work for it for four quarters at least. And the the way Carr is playing, I see the Giants as being competitive with the Raiders, no doubt. But the Raiders have shown this year that they've kind of taken it to another level as far as sealing the deal and getting the result and having the result back up the play they put on the field. And I think the Giants, you you just saw it, they just put themselves in a game where they basically did everything right for 55 minutes and coughed it up. So if you're gonna play that good of a game and lose, it's hard to believe that you're gonna take on a five and two team with a quarterback arguably playing at an M V P level and suddenly, you know, pull it out.
4: Right.
1: No, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching them on Monday Night Football when they were taking on the Chiefs. I just felt like that's a game, if they mature a little bit more and eliminate some of those mistakes, that's a game that they're going to win because I don't think that the Chiefs were that good on Monday Night Football and they just happened to find a way to get that victory against the G-Men. Final question for you, Pat, and this has been great. I do appreciate your time. As far as the biggest Achilles heel for this Giants team, if there's a way that the Raiders could go into New York, go into New Jersey and actually exploit this team, what would it be?
2: It'll be the offensive line um, running, you know, running stunts and games from the defensive line, uh, just making, making the offensive line move and handle someone coming from a different direction. Uh, their O-line was one of the units that held up at times against the Chiefs but then collapsed in the clutch on two-minute tries where they really needed them. That unit is a mess, and I think the Raiders' pass rush, frankly, is going to be the difference in the game. I will say this. Darren Waller, who has not had the kind of season people are accustomed to seeing from him, I think he will erupt in this game, coming back off injury and coming against the Giants because the Giants historically struggle against tight ends. And even though they took Travis Kelsey away last week, having been there at Arrowhead watching that game, I can tell you Kelsey was open a lot more than Mahomes threw him the ball. And I just think that Waller, especially obviously with uh, Henry Ruggs no longer being on the team, and the Raiders needing more than ever to look at their top weapons. I think Waller and the pass rush are going to be the differences.
1: That's going to be a, a, a fantastic matchup. I, I can see Darren Waller breaking out and having a big game, like you just mentioned. And you know, you mentioned Travis Kelsey. And so let me ask you because while I was watching that game, I was thinking something doesn't look right about him. Did you get a, a sense that he just wasn't all locked in on that game Monday night?
2: No, I thought it was Mahomes. Okay. I, uh, this, okay. Is just, this is just my opinion st- sitting there watching. But there were two plays that stuck out to me. One was the interception that the Giants, that Darnay Holmes made at the end, that got called back from the offsides. If you watch that play, Mahomes throws the ball. He has Kelsey open about five yards closer to him underneath and just looks right through him and tries to throw it into coverage past him, and, and it's intercepted. Uh, I thought that was one telling play. The other one was uh, when he got sacked by Keon Cross late in the red zone uh, before the Chiefs kicked that, I think, game-tying field goal it was, um, or maybe the game-winning field goal. Kelsey runs a route on the right side of the field, sticks his foot in the ground, and opens up, coming back to the left underneath. And he's wide open, and Mahomes looks right at him and doesn't throw it. Mm. And then the corner kind of chases him down and tackles him. I also will say this. I know Kelsey dropped the pass. I know he had the fumble. I mean, the fumble was bad. right? But... Playmakers in the NFL, when you don't get them involved early in a game, it's not uncommon for them to then struggle later when they're trying to get themselves going. And that's what I thought that game was for Kelsey. I thought Mahomes didn't throw him the ball enough early, and then he kind of struggled to get the, to get himself going once he did get it.
1: That's that Man, that's a great observation right there. That's a great way to, to summarize it right there. And I know I've told you a couple times that that was the final question, <laughs> but DeMond's got one he's got to get off real quick. So go yes, ahead.
3: Pat, you talking about getting Let's playmakers go. involved obj not happy in cleveland i've looked at your tweets you don't think that he's the problem either so do you think that cleveland should release him do you think the raiders might be a good home for obj
2: i think i'm glad you brought that up yeah i uh i think the raiders would be be a great home i do think they would have a lot of competition for him if he got released Mm -hmm. i'll say that um but of course if he gets released he would go on waivers You know, it's very tricky, obviously. But if he did hit free agency, I think he would have a lot of competition. Of course, the Raiders now have the record to back up their interest to say, like, you're not just coming to play at a team that uh, wants you. You're also coming to a team that thinks that it can contend now, right? So that can make a huge difference. Yes, I do believe that Beckham is being scapegoated right now in Cleveland for shortcomings of the quarterback Baker Mayfield there. I think anyone telling you that this caught the Browns by surprise is lying to you. Um, I think that Baker Mayfield owns more of a part of this than the Browns and he are letting on. And I think the more information that comes out about the situation, the more you'll recognize. And listen, Beckham burned enough bridges here in New York, there's no doubt. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was smart for his dad to post that video, (laughs) I mean, it's hard to defend going nuclear like that, because once you go there, you can't go back. I just do think that from everything I understand in my reporting, and my understanding of the situation, I think that he's done everything in Cleveland that he could to fit in, to be a guy who becomes a part of the team and doesn't put himself above the team. And I think now that it's going wrong, people are pointing the finger and trying to make him look like the guy he was uh, portrayed as with the giant, and I don't think that's the same scenario here.
3: There
1: it is, right there. Great Free question. <laughs> <laughs> now look what Free you OBJ, did, Pat. Nice. <laughs> look what you <laughs> did you now. Unbelievable. I'm gonna have to hear this the rest of the show from this guy, but it's okay. That's great stuff, Pat Leonard, New York Daily News at P Leonard NYDN on Twitter. Pat, you got anything coming out that uh, maybe some Raider fans should look on or look at to to get an update on what's going on this uh, this Sunday with the game?
2: Um, Yeah, you know, I I would say stay on top of um, my updates on the Giants and who's going to be available in this game. I think if Xavier McKinney, the free safety, is out, that's a big deal as far as eliminating the big play for the Giants. D wrote a story today on Kadarius Toney. Um, There's a lot of Giants players, young players, former Alabama players, whatever, who have relationships with Mm. Henry Ruggs or know him from when they're younger, who, um, as Joe Judge said today, they don't see this as a headline because they know the person. Uh, but Tony also expressed his thoughts in a tweet today, or yesterday, that came off insensitive, uh, frankly, as far as just labeling it a mistake and didn't really express much empathy for the victim. So I have a story on that and how Joe Judge is handling Kadarius's public sentiments on a topic that is very close to Raiders Nation and what you guys understand in that market and what you're following, that tragedy. And then the following th- the, the final thing I would say is on OBJ. Look for my story on Sunday. I do an NFL Notes every week, and OBJ is going to be prominently featured in that column. Nice. So, you know, keep an eye out.
1: We will. We sure will. We got you locked and loaded. We'll be checking your Twitter account and making sure and keeping up to date with everything that you got going on. And we definitely appreciate all the time you gave us this afternoon. We've got a great idea now what to expect on Sunday with the Raiders and the G-Man. Pat, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you.
2: Of course. Anytime, guys. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Great stuff right there. Pat Leonard. New York Daily News on Twitter again at P. Leonard NYDN. I just like to throw it out there, man. We got some damn good guests. We got some damn good guests, man. We, uh, we continue to raise the bar around here. Around here. On Normandy and West. No, I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to do all that. But no, we do. We do a, a, a good job. Demond does a fantastic job getting guests, and uh, we 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 don't leave any any stone unturned. So uh, uh, that's a good one right there. Pat Leonard, New York Daily News, talking all things g man 3:20 is the time. Uh, when we come back, we'll catch up with a couple of text messages. Uh, we'll get us try to squeeze a couple phone calls in as well. 30 for 30. There's a lot of titles that are rolling in. If you can name this season, this is Raiders 2021 season, all through seven games. If you can name them, in a 30 for 30. Style, title, what would it be? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: Welcome Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920.
1: I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up in a matter of minutes, we got Trey Wingo. He's a chief trends officer and brand ambassador for Caesar Sportsbook. That's right. He's going to join us in a few minutes, so we uh, got to hustle up because we do have some great callers and some great tex- textures on the Salmonash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, but also the Raider Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. Fargo Raider, you're up first. What's on your mind, my man? Hey,
5: how y'all doing today?
1: Chilling, man, chilling.
5: I sort i like to hear. I'm just going to start off with the 30-for-30 30 30 title. I don't think it's as good as some of the ones you already went through, but I'm going to say it would have to be the Unbreakable Raiders. Okay, You know, through everything, they've stayed strong, steadfast. D.C. 4 is leading these men. Like, I've never seen a quarterback stand behind his team before. I'm going to also go on and say that they needs to take over the routes and snaps that are left now. You know, he's he's quick enough. He knows the route. He's had some real big plays so far, and, like, D.C. continues to praise this man for his work work ethic. I'm also glad that Stoner was elevated. Uh, I would have liked Turner getting elevated so he could spell Renfro from the kickoffs and punt returns. I know that Renfro likes that, but uh, I just think he's too valuable right now, especially with the depth we have for him to be uh, returning those kicks at this point. And with this Giants defense, I'm looking for Renfro and Waller to have a big game.
3: Right?
5: They, they were playing that soft zone against the – Against the chiefs, and we have almost similar um threats to the to the defenses that they did with a more pinpoint you know poised in the pocket quarterback
1: right right good stuff good stuff thank you so much for that call i do appreciate it and uh yeah man uh after after pat said that he thinks that uh, darren waller is really gonna eat and have a big day i bet you i bet you darren waller's eyes when they're looking at the giants on film their defense on film he's probably thinking oh yeah i missed one game but i'm about to be back it's gonna be a return of of waller the waller the waller effect is definitely gonna gonna be in effect on sunday let's go out to sacramento real quick uh we got josh in sacramento josh what's up what's on your mind that's
4: correct well, uh, the 30 for 30 title, let's just keep it old school. It's just called the autumn wind. You know, everything's happening after the buy, so we'll call it the autumn wind. And and it's going to be tearjerker and heartfelt, and, and it'll be on my DVR for until there's no more DVRs, pretty much. <laughs> uh, but uh, I wanted to quickly touch on the um, the the whole week has just been really weird. On Monday, the day before uh, the tragedy in Vegas, I was involved in a collision by a drunk driver mm. going to work. Um, there, you know, it was it was rough. Um, uh, one life was lost, unfortunately, and prayers go out to that family and and their loss. And but I mean, everything happening. It's just been, you know, Monday going to work on Halloween. Matter of fact, I was in talking to my pops, going like, "Hey, we're number one. We're number one." And then we're still number one, and we still need to carry that mentality going into this week. We're number one in the West. Right. We're number two in the AFC. We gotta, we gotta hold our heads high. I know it's been rough, and once a Raider, always a Raider. And, and got a lot of love. And you're not defined by one mistake. You gotta live with it, but you're not defined by one mistake. And we gotta hold our heads high, and, and Raider Nation. You know, just yeah, I'll take that. I'll, I'll wear a cupcake costume. Um, in the black hole on my, on my birthday when we play the donkeys at home, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll wear a cupcake, you know, just to prove, uh, prove that other caller right. We are, we're tough, but we're ooey-gooey on the inside. So, you know, Raider Nation, let's uh, one love and then don't forget, you know, the autumn wind, baby.
1: There it is. There it. Is. Great call. Great call. Thank you for that. And glad you were uh, good in, in, in your accident and everything, man. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And, and like you said, prayers out to all the families. Thank you so much for that. Now on the phone lines, we have our next guest. Very excited to bring him on Trey Wingo. He is the chief trends officer and brand ambassador for caesar sportsbook and trey thank you so much for your time this afternoon it's always great to catch up with you last time we talked uh i was in canton ohio it was time for the hall of fame we were talking about tom flores and charles woodson and then right after that you became the chief trends officer and brand ambassador for caesar sportsbook what exactly does that entail because that's an awesome title
0: it is right, and the funny thing was when we were going through this, like, what should we call you? And I was like, Grand Poobah and Master of Time, Space, and Dimension. They, they didn't go for that one, but they went for this one. <laughs> uh, essentially, what it is is you, I basically uh, and just sort of explaining why the odds are what they are. Like it's sort of the same thing I did all those years at ESPN. I'm talking about football,
4: right? But like,
0: for example, you know, the let's just say, you know, let's pick a game. The Texans have been underdogs for uh, double-digit underdogs five of the seven last. Games they played. Why? Well, because they're terrible. You you know, (laughs) that's the easiest way to describe it. You know, so it's it's me sort of dispensing the same football information that I did all these years, just doing it in a way that helps people understand why the odds are the way they are.
1: I love it. I love it. That was great. I was explaining that title, or I was talking about that title at the beginning of the show when I was saying who was coming up, and I was like, Man, if that if that was my title, you wouldn't be able to tell me nothing. I would just walk around and be like, This is who I am. (laughs)
0: deal with it yeah
1: exactly right exactly so uh trey man this football season it's it's all i mean we're already starting week nine tonight which is unbelievable Mm -hmm. it just flies by but there's been a lot of ups and downs uh here in las vegas with the silver and black of course them off to a five and two start that's great you know first place second in the afc but they have all this off the field stuff going first Gruden in the emails, he resigns. And now obviously the tragedy that happened earlier this week here uh, with Henry Ruggs and the accident and the loss of a life. I mean, when you just look back from a distance and see this team, the Raiders, just have you ever seen so much off the field adversity happen to a team so quickly?
0: Um, You know, it, it just seems like something like this happens every year. And uh, this has been a really weird couple of weeks for the Raiders. I mean, that's the only way to describe it. I mean, you know, the Gruden stuff, I'm not defending any of it, and I won't. But, you know, just a reminder, this was an investigation about another team. Right. <laughs> right? right. It an investigation about another team, and somehow uh, another team's coach gets fired because of it. And, look, some of the stuff that's in there was terrible, and, I, again, I won't defend it. Uh, I will say that having worked with John, I never heard any of those kind of things when I was around him. He obviously felt a little more comfortable saying those things to people, right. like or typing those things to people like Bruce Allen. But, you know, i I do find it, I want to make sure I word this carefully, not only strange but almost hard to believe that in the other 650,000 emails that they perused through the Washington football team because of this investigation about allegations of sexual misconduct and just gross mismanagement of the Washington football team, that they couldn't, they didn't find anything else? I mean, I'm sorry, I, I find that hard to believe, especially when you hear about some of the allegations against Dan Snyder that have gone on for years, by the way. And I thought the wording in the story was very, very legally parsed. There were no other words like the words used by John Groot. Well, what does that mean? That's a a very broad term that can be used to sweep away a lot of things, uh, in my opinion. I I don't think that was a wording that they chose arbitrarily. I think they wanted to make sure that's exactly what they said. So should something else come out through another leak, they can say, well, that wasn't what that was. It might be bad, but it wasn't the same verbiage, you know. So I, I, I feel like John was a, uh, for lack of a better term, a sacrificial lamb mm-hmm. to somehow keep the organization and the owner of that organization intact.
1: Right. No, I agree. I agree 100%. I think anyone who uh, who listens to this station is called in this station. They all share the same sentiments. And, and really, like you said, not defending the acts because the mm-hmm. acts were bad. But not at all. You know, there's also there's a lot more that goes into it than just what we're getting a uh, wind of, which is exactly what you said, What only what John Gruden said in those emails. So Rich Basaccia he takes over as the interim head coach, and he's been in the league a long time. I know you're very familiar with him, but he's off to a 2-0 start, and he seems like, Trey, that he's just – He's the right guy for the job. Like he's calmed the waters, especially with that issue. He calmed the waters with the guys in the locker room. What is it about Rich Basaccia that makes him so special?
0: Well, I, I think obviously there's a lot of trust between him and the players, right? I mean, I, I think Mark Schlereth, a good friend of mine, always uses this word: football is a relational business, and he's 100 percent right. You have to have some sort of ability to relate to the people that you work with, work for, and and work a uh, uh, you know. Uh, work with and work for, for lack of a better term. And I, I think that Rich has found a way with the players on a very short basis so far through these two games to, to really show that they believe in him and he believes in them. And, and if you don't have that, you have nothing. right? That's why I'm, I'm just I'm not convinced at all that the Urban Meyer situation is ever going to work in Jacksonville, because I, I, I know what players are saying, not publicly, about that situation there. But uh, it, it feels like everybody with the Raiders has, has bought into Rich being there. And, you know, Mike Mayock said, you know, I, you know, he still feels bad for the Gruden family, and a lot of people feel that way, and I understand that. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter anymore. Right. You know, the only thing that matters is who's there now and can we make it work. And I, I think through the first two games, that's certainly going to be tested with what's happened with Henry Ruggs. Um, but I, I think through the first two games, uh, it's pretty clear that this team believes in Rich and Rich believes in them. Right. No, it
1: does. And and every player to a T has said how much that they'll they'll go to battle for him and they'll run through a wall for him. And they just they really believe in Rich Passaccia. So I've been very impressed by that. But when I reached out to you, I also was impressed with Derek Carr. And that's what I really wanted you to uh, come on and and shed a little light on because I know that you've been seeing what he's been doing, especially even now with this Henry Rugg situation. He's had to be in front of the media and answer all these questions multiple times. He's really become the, the mouthpiece of the silver and black. So what have you seen from Derek Carr as far as his leadership even off the field with all the issues going on?
0: Well, I think what I'm seeing is the same person I've known him to be uh, ever since he came into the league. And I, and I told you I had a story, and I want to go back and share that story with you. you know, For years, uh, when I was working at ESPN, we had a lot of the top draft prospects, especially the quarterbacks, come up, and they would go through the John Gruden camp, but they'd also come up to campus, and we'd do something called the car wash, where they'd do a million interviews. You know, They'd be on the sports centers, they'd be on NFL Live, they do all this kind of stuff. And I specifically remember that year, It was 2014, and you you had all the quarterbacks come up. Johnny Manziel came up, A.J. McCarron uh, came up, Derek Carr came up. And the conversation I had with Derek Carr on NFL Live that day has stuck with me forever because I felt like I was talking to a 35-year-old instead of a 23-year-old. There are certain people who are just old souls, and Derek Carr is an old soul. And I, I I, I remember after he came through and did his stuff with us on NFL Live, I'm like, He was by far the most impressive of all the quarterbacks that came through this year. He wasn't cocky. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't dismissive. He was earnest. He was honest. He was prepared. And he was confident, but in a way that made you feel like he understands what the challenge is in front of him. And I certainly think it helps that he had his older brother David go through what he went through when he was the first overall pick and just the beating he took with the Houston Texans that expansion year. But what we're seeing from Derek and the way he's reacted to the situation with Henry Ruggs, I think is exactly the same person he was when I met him in 2014. And this is a mature person. This is a person who understands what his responsibilities are and understands what his roles are as a leader of the team. And, you know, he's right. Look, it's easy to just say Henry Ruggs, whatever now. Henry Ruggs needs people in his life now more than anybody, and I'm, more than and at any other time in his life. And it's mm-hmm. not taking away anything from the travesty and the things that he has to accept if these things are true, and we'll go through the process, and he has to deal with that, and that's that's on him for the rest of his life. But that doesn't mean that everyone should just abandon him. And I, and I think the way that Derek has handled this has shown me the same level of maturity and level-headedness that I saw with him when he was coming into the draft as a rookie.
1: Talking right now with Trey Wingo here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And, and Trey, I think you're spot on with that. And one of the things I've been saying is I, I know that sometimes Raider Nation is split on Derek Carr. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? Do they want another guy? Is he whatever? Can, but, can, I,
0: can I just say something yeah, about that real quickly? Please please what do. Has, and, and, again, because this has gone on for a while, and yep. it's certainly a topic, I mean, what – has what does he have to prove? I'm trying to figure that out. I'm not saying you're saying this. Right. You're just alluding to the fact that a lot of people are making this conversation. What what has he not done? Uh, you know, I, I just I don't understand that. And uh, uh, like for example, last year, you know, when you guys the Raiders went to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, and then you know we had the game uh, at Allegiant where there were no fans, obviously, and. And uh, you know he led the team down there, and people say, "Well, I'll go for the field goal, go for the..." Top. I, they did the right thing in that situation, and then they got Mahomes in the last two minutes. You know that's a thing; right, right. it hasn't happened in the last two weeks, but that that happens a lot. Right. And I I just don't understand what people aren't seeing in Derek Carr. Like I like when Gruden was there, I understood it because John is a, is a person who collects quarterbacks the way some of us collect trading cards or stamps, okay? (laughs) He likes to go through a lot of quarterbacks. That's always been his M.O. But I, I just, if you're a Raiders fan... What are you not getting out of Derek Carr? I would really like to know that because I think that he's been a phenomenal player for them for a long time.
1: I agree. I, I agree 100%. And, and there's been times, and I'm not going to lie, there's been times that I questioned and thought, well, maybe you need a guy that's a little bit more mobile, a guy that you know could run around a little bit more. But you're right. He is the perfect guy for, for this team. He's the perfect guy for the job. And I really think, Trey, he's the perfect guy for the situation that they got going on right now because of everything you said 100%. about him already.
3: 100%. Yeah, Trey. Um, would you say that he's been the best QB in the AFC at least? <sighs>
0: Let's see. Well, uh, let me let me. Josh Allen has been very good. Let's just be clear about that. Josh Allen has been very very good. Um, I, I don't think there's anybody you could say has played demonstrably better. But I think there's a couple of players that you could say are probably right around the same level. But again, I, I you know I don't like sort of going team to team comparison because. Right. You know what? What the Raiders need from Derek is exactly what he's giving them, and what you know, Josh mm-hmm. Allen. What the Bills need from Josh Allen, he's giving them as well. I, I just don't think that you can fault anything really uh, that Derek has done this year, and his leadership now is again. I, I just keep going back to it. That, that's the kid that I saw in 2014 when he was a kid, but he acted like an adult.
3: Yeah, Trey, I was just trying to steer you into MVP talk, but he uh, <laughs> didn't take the bait.
0: <laughs> I, I no, think Trey's here, been there. You know, here's, the, here's the thing, but just, <laughs> I love that because you're right. Like two weeks ago, I would have, uh, three weeks ago when they were 3-0 or 4-0, whatever they were, I said, yeah, he's right there at the MVP talk. And then, you know, Matthew Stafford has taken off and Cooper Cup. I, I don't think people understand. Like Cooper Cup is a guy that's easy to take for granted right now for the Rams he's doing things that Jerry Rice and Randy Moss never did mm. I mean it's it's crazy he's on pace I did the math and you you hate to do this but right. it's, it's eight, eight games in so I think it's a decent uh, uh, a decent amount uh, he's on pace for 133 catches over 1900 receiving yards and 22 touchdowns we I mean, that's a pretty good year for anybody, yeah. let alone Cooper Cup. You know what I mean? He's right. Been phenomenal.
1: Right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And he is on crazy pace right now. It's absolutely nuts. And I hate to be on pace guy too, but, I mean, that's 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 legit right there. That's really legit. Yeah. We're talking with Trey Wingo here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And, Trey, we just got a couple more questions for you. Right now the Raiders are 5-2. and two. They're in first place in the AFC West. They have the Giants this weekend. That's a game that they should win. But, Again, they got all this going on, and it's the NFL. You never know what's going to happen. So uh, how do you think they navigate through the rest of this season, knowing that they have these off-the-field issues that they're dealing with, but they are a very tight-knit locker room?
0: Well, I want to be clear. There's two things here. But first of all, I'm not diminishing the tragedy of the Henry Rugg situation in any way, shape, or form. Right. Because that, there was, that should never have happened. It's a terrible situation. He's going to have to pay for that for the rest of his life. Uh, if all these allegations and things that we've heard are true. So that, that's that. He's also a giant loss for them on the football team. Let's just be clear about that. Um, and they've already handled this significantly. Like you said, they're 2-0 and since John Gruden uh, you know, had his issues, and, and he had to leave. So they've shown resiliency already. The only thing I can say is historically, this is not a good sign for a football team. In the Super Bowl era, there's never been a team that made the postseason, that made a head coaching change halfway or midway through the season. Now, that being said, usually it's because the team is terrible. Right. You know, that's why you normally get rid of a coach. This is an outlier. This is a completely different set of circumstances that caused John Group to not be the head coach. But they have shown incredible resilience. And, you know, the Chiefs are – I still believe if the Chiefs just hold on to the flipping football, they're going to be really good, even with a terrible defense. Like, you can talk about all the other stuff. At the end of the day, if they don't turn the ball over, they're probably a one-loss team. Right. It would be that game against Tennessee. Every other game they've sort of been in, they've just found a way to, to throw away the football at the most inopportune times. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, by the way, bouncing off receivers' hands that turns into interceptions. So before people talk about you know Mahomes overrated, he's hitting a lot of these receivers <laughs> in the hands, right. and they're, you know, they're not catching it. So um, I, I think the Raiders have every opportunity, and the Chargers took a stumble this past week, and mm-hmm. you know I, I think they're a really good football team. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a very, very tight race between those three teams in the AFC West.
1: Well and and I'm glad you mentioned the Titans because Demon here he is a he's a Titan fan and he's a little upset still as he should be about Derrick Henry and the potential yeah, of him that's missing problem all for
0: them right That's a problem for them yeah, yeah a huge all problem
1: all we got all day <laughs> how do you think they navigate now they brought in Adrian Peterson and I have no nothing but the highest amount of respect for Adrian Peterson but he's 36 years old and he's still 36 years old what are your thoughts yeah. on 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 Tennessee and how they navigate through now now without Derrick Henry
0: Well, outside of maybe Mahomes or Brady, I would say there's probably no player that's more critical to team success than Derrick Henry is to the Titans. Let's just be honest about that. So it's a problem. The good news for the Titans is that they have the best record in the AFC and they have the largest lead of any division at three games. So they got that going for them. And schematically, let's be clear, schematically, if you're going to replace a Derrick Henry, an Adrian Peterson-type runner, is the guy you want because he's not an elusive guy. He's a power runner. He always has been. Mm-hmm. But you're right. He's 36. Hasn't played in a while. And, you know, I, I saw some put, somebody put there on Twitter a reminder. This was just less than three years ago when he was walking and running over people. And I'm like, well, that means nothing because <laughs> 2013 Peyton Manning was less than three years away from 2015 Peyton Manning. 2013, Peyton Manning, the records that everybody still is trying to get to. In 2015, Manning couldn't it water if he fell out of a boat. So, you know, don't, don't give me this three-year, less-than-three-year thing. That means nothing. Right. If he can still play, it's a great sign. If he can't play, it's not going to help him much.
1: Right. No doubt. No doubt. It, it should be interesting, though. But uh, man, this AFC is really close. The NFC, I mean, they, there's it's kind of uh, they're all at the top, right? All the all the great teams are all at the top. You got the Cowboys. They look like they're awesome. They just won without their quarterback. Uh, you know, you got the Rams. You mentioned them already. I mean, there's so many good quality teams in the NFC. And then the AFC feels like there's a bunch, a handful of teams that can all go and, and make some moves. So is there anyone that you're, you're looking at right now? And you're like, you know what? That's the team you better watch out for. Well, I I
0: still think the AFC is a deeper conference. I mean, I I think there's more teams that you can make a legitimate case for than the NFC. I I will say this about the Rams. Um, They were probably, in my mind, the best team in football. Even though they lost to the Cardinals, I get it. Uh, I I think they were probably the best team in football before the trade for Von Miller. But now you have Von Miller with the Rams. Oh, by the way, Von Miller, since he came into the league in 2011, no one has more sacks over that time frame than Von Miller. He joins the team with Aaron Donald, who came into the league in 2014. And oh, by the way, since 2014, no one has more sacks than Aaron Donald. And oh, by the way, before they got Von Miller, they led the league in sacks with 25. And now to add Leonard Floyd and Jalen Ramsey to all that, the Rams defense is going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem for everyone going forward. And Matthew Stafford is playing at an MVP level, and we talked about the numbers for Cooper Cup. I I don't think it's a far-fetched statement at all to say the Rams are probably the most complete team in football right now. They have a a young head coach who's already proven he knows what it takes to get to a Super Bowl. They have a GM who does not care about draft picks, and it still works out. I mean, they've been doing this since 2017, throwing away draft picks, and they're in the playoffs every year. Right. You, know, you, you can say this is a terrible use of draft capital. Well, all I care about is results, and they've been in the postseason every year. They've made it to a Super Bowl, and they have put themselves in an unbelievable position this year to be potentially the, the second straight team to play a home game in the Super Bowl at SoFi.
1: Right, and, and that's where it's going to be this this year. It's in L.A., in SoFi Stadium. Super Bowl is going to be uh, – it's always going to be fun. Who's going to be there? That has remained to be seen. Trey, great stuff as always. We definitely appreciate your time. Uh, love scatter shooting around the league with you, and great story on Derek Carr as well. I definitely appreciate you sharing that with our audience. I'm sure that they all uh, appreciated that. And I got to get this title right again. The Chief Trends <laughs> Officer and Brand Ambassador for Caesar Sportsbook, Trey Wingo. How about that?
0: We are all Caesars, my friend. Anytime you need.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Trey. Appreciate you. There he goes. Trey Wingo right there. Good dude. Great football knowledge. Obviously, been around the game for a very long time. And, uh, man, we could have talked to him for another 15 to 20 minutes. But uh, DeMond's telling me I got to take a break. So, I better go ahead and take a break. Go ahead and make the man happy. 3.47 is the time come back. We'll close out the show. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.
0: Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness,
1: roughness.
0: here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm
1: going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
0: Here's your boy, Q. Here we are.
1: 351 is the time we've had a fast and furious show here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more minutes left in today's show. We are going to go through our NFL picks, but I don't want to hustle through them. I don't want to fly through them real quick. So what we're going to do, we'll pick tonight's game, both myself and Damon. We'll pick tonight's game, and then tomorrow... We do have a four-hour show. I'll be doing 2 to 6 p.m. at the TI, Treasure Island, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. I'll be there for four hours tomorrow. So we'll have plenty of time to make sure that we do our picks on tomorrow's show. But we will, DeMond, we'll do our our picks for tonight's game. Uh, It's not the sexiest one on paper. It's not. But it's still a football game, and we're going to watch. Look good to me. Hey, man, if it's a football game, it's good for me. I'm watching it.
3: The great white hype. Mike White,
1: oh, you're you're so excited. He's I on. I need the,
3: you to do. The, I need you to do the thing. He man. He already went. What'd you do? Put him on your fantasy team. I need. I need him to do the thing. I know. I need him to beat the coach. Did, oh, extend that lead. You just want. Okay. I, I see where you're coming extend from. Extend that lead. Okay. I got you. I got. I see what you're putting down. I need the coach to eat another L. All right. Okay.
1: All right. I'm not mad. <laughs> I can't even goof on Jameis because he tore his ACL. So I felt like I'm talking bad about Jameis, So I'm not. Why? I, I hate that for him too. He was playing some good ball. So. Uh Yeah, too too bad that that's uh, unfortunately that comes to this end of the season for him. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and pick tonight's game real quick. And if you're going out and you're looking for a spot to watch tonight's game, Chickies and Pete's is my, sele- uh, my su- suggestion. My guy, Clay Baker from the Morning Tailgate, he'll be there uh, holding it down, watching the game. So definitely go check that out. It's inside the Sahara, Las Vegas. It's awesome. Really great sports bar. So definitely go check him out. He's locked and loaded with a bunch of prizes. So make sure he hooks you up with something when you go see him. Say, Clay, hook brother up. And then he will. Simple as that. So, Damon, tonight's game, New York Jets at the Indianapolis Colts. Who are you picking?
3: All right. Mike White had 400 passing yards in his, first, in his first NFL start. But he only went like 4.3 yards through the air on average. So, he was just taking what the defense gives him. Okay. I hope that the Colts give him a lot. And he just dinks and dunks. Mike White getting it done again.
1: You got the J-E-T-S Jets. Jets, Jets, Jets. There it is. I got the Indianapolis Colts because, well, I don't have a dog mm-hmm. in the fight. Doesn't really matter to me. And so I'm just picking with my brain instead of, you know, strategic. And look, I don't fault you for that because there's times that I've said, oh, I think the Chargers are going to take an L in this one because I'm kind of in my heart (laughs) hoping that they do. So I understand what you're coming from. Don't get it twisted. I'm not mad at you for picking the Jets. I understand exactly where you're coming from. Strategically for you, it makes a lot more sense for them to go ahead and win that game. Now, as far as what we're doing, trying to get W's and L's on our own, it's it's smarter to go with your brain instead of your heart, but that's okay. I get it. So I got the Colts and you got the Jets Thursday night football. So we'll do the rest of the picks uh, on tomorrow's show. Uh, I do want to hit some of these text messages because man, we have got so many of them, and I do appreciate each and every one of you who sent a text in on the Salmon Ash text line at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. If the Raiders win the Super Bowl, the thirty for thirty should be Raiders from tears to glory. I'll tell you what. If they were to win the Super Bowl, and I'm just saying this, you want to talk about, you know, people cry anyway. Like, I'm not going to lie, when the Warriors won their first title in forever in my lifetime, because it was personal to me, because it was the city of Oakland, and it just meant so much, and the Warriors, it stunk my whole life. When they won, I had a little tear in my eye. If the Raiders were to win the Super Bowl, do you know how emotional everybody will be? I don't care if you're – I guarantee you Vinny Bonsignor, who's coming up next – would be at the Super Bowl, and if they were to win that, he would get a little bit moist in the eye. I promise you. Just because, one, it'd be one big exhale at the end of the season, like, okay, it's over, and then all of a sudden you think back in that rush, that would give him a little bit of a – that would give him a little – I'm not saying he'd go full tears. He'd have a little moisture, though. He'd say that, oh, my allergies are messing with me. I think it's my allergies. One more. Raiders against all odds. Okay, I like that one. I like that. Raiders against all odds. Well, coming up next is Vinny Bonsignore. He's going to hold it down in the huddle. Lincoln Kennedy is going to be riding shotgun with him, so make sure you check it out, 4 to 6 p.m. And we'll be back here. Well, we'll be back tomorrow at 2 o'clock at the TI, 2 to 6. Four hours long, four hours strong. It'll be unnecessary roughness. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Peace. Let the boys. Be boys. Yeah!